This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on The Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. On today's property show, we are in conversation with Leo Mui Lee, Senior Executive Director of Tricor Taxcent. As the final deadline for individual tax filings for 2021 looms on the 15th of May for online filings, we get a perspective on the different dimensions of property-related taxes as she helps us navigate the challenges and pitfalls when filing your taxes for 2021 with respect to properties. So Mui Lee, we are entering now what we call tax filing season, isn't it? It is a time when we start taking account of all our taxes. How are key property taxes factored into the current filing season at the moment? Okay. Um, so the current filing season affects uh, individuals, right? It's an individual income tax filing season. Uh, as far as property is concerned, I think there is a, a certain section in our uh, Form B or BEs uh, which requires the taxpayer to make a disclosure whether they have disposed any real property uh, during the calendar year. So we're looking at 1st January to 31st December 2021. Yeah. So if you have made uh, a disposal of a real property, then you need to disclose uh, in that income tax return. Yeah. And of course, um, if that taxpayer has um, investment property for which they are deriving rental income, then again, uh, they will need to um, disclose the rental income for income tax purposes. Help us understand, I, I presume 2021 was a very interesting year because we were in the height of the pandemic. The government had issued many incentives and allowances. How is this year, 2021, very different from previous years? What has changed? I think for 2021, you're right. There were a lot of uh, incentives uh, announced by the government uh, that um, taxpayers could take advantage of, right? As far as property is concerned, uh, they allowed this a deduction, a special deduction for rental reduction. Okay, so if the taxpayer, uh, the individual taxpayer has an investment property, uh, which is let out for commercial or um, not less than 30% discount, then they will be able to take a special deduction on the discounted rent. I see. Right? So we never had that no. before, is it? Is that a new no. requirement? Yeah. yeah, that was a special thing only for pandemic. But we, yeah. in the past, we, we did have some deductibles, isn't it? Like repair of property and maintenance of property was considered deductible. But those are expenses that you incur for your rental property. Here we are looking at, uh, you know, so you gave your tenant a discount is not an expense to you, but really you have reduced your rental income, mm. right? But yet, see, so say my rental is say one thousand, and I gave a discount of thirty percent, so I only charge seven hundred. So the three hundred that I've given per month rental, uh, I get it as a special deduction. So I also get so my total seven hundred of rental income. I then minus off the three hundred as a discount, special deduction. I see, and so you do yeah. need to show the previous year's rental is it to be kind of a verification. The verification will be based on the tenancy agreement, mm. uh, and this property must be relating to a commercial property, right? So it must be used for purposes of the business. So if you are, it, it doesn't cover residential property. Ah, so it only covers ah, commercial, yes. commercial, commercial purposes, property. commercial properties only. So, but there are also many residential properties which are. Classified as commercial, isn't it? 
only those which are classified, I mean, you know. So if you talk about those um, shared, uh, like uh, uh, business officers, you know, then it goes back to what is their real category, right? So I think it goes back to the, to, to the title. Yeah, some of these are still viewed as commercial property, even though they can be used for residential purposes, like service apartment, yeah. as an example. Yeah. But before, I mean, that that's one significant incentive, I think. I presume then if you net off or even uh, give a waiver, like a full, you don't need to pay rent for one full period. How does that get factored in then? You don't even need to declare that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think if you, if you told the tenant that you don't have to pay at all, yeah then uh, there's really no benefit in that sense because what will happen is that uh, you have zero income, but that also means you can't take anything as a deduction. Now, let's talk right? about deductions, right? Besides repair and maintenance of properties, what other deductibles are usually classified and accepted? Okay, so for your rental uh, property, and this could be covered for both residential as well as commercial property, uh, the typical expenses like you mentioned be repair and maintenance. Uh, we could also have, uh, you know, replacement of furniture and fittings, right? So sometimes when we rent out, uh, it is lettered out on a, you know, fully furnished basis. So in these, those cases, you will have cabinets, kitchen counters, you know, even electrical equipment, air conditioners and so forth. So if you were to replace them, you'll be able to claim a full deduction uh, for this cost of replacement. And I guess typically, one would technically then just maximise it, especially for the first year, isn't it? If you are going to be renting out. I mean, in your first year of rental, you generally deduct the whole uh, thing, isn't it? It's on a replacement basis. So the time, so if it's the first tenancy, right, then, uh, you know, you buy all this uh, furniture to, to fit out, fit out the, the unit, doesn't count. That one, no deduction because that's viewed as capital. I see. Right? So it's only when, uh, you know, say the tenant moves out, you get a new tenant, right? And then you start to replace some of this old furnishing. Then on a replacement basis, you can claim a deduction. Is there a limit to how much you can claim for these deductions? Up to the actual amount incurred. So, so you've got 100%. to have, yes, but you must have supporting documents. And the supporting documents must be in the landlord's name. And it must be, you know, sometimes like, for example, repair works, right? Uh, the, the, the unit, the, that uh, the rental property must be stated in the invoice to say that the repair relates to this particular address. So then if I just build on that point, and you, we want to just talk a bit about the earlier incentive that the government issued, uh, in which I think essentially it's a bit of a tax holiday, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when you do kind of give a, a discount to the tenant per se, how long do we expect this incentive to last for? This one will take us to 30 June 2022. So after okay, that, yeah. when so when I file it for 2023, it's going to be uh, prorated essentially 50%. Uh, no, it, it will be depends on the actual discounts that you give. So if you mm. gave, say in 2022, you continue to give uh, a discounted rental and you, that will still be valid for six months. Any other incentives then that the government has done for us to take into account, especially when it comes to property taxes? Uh, okay, the only other one that uh, comes to mind is the RPGT exemptions for sale of residential properties. The RPGT exemption is given for the disposal of up to three residential properties uh, for the period uh, 1st January um, 2021 to 31st December 2021. And, and that RPGT exemption doesn't uh, depend on the whole 
holding period. So as you know, you know, we changed the law in uh, in 2022. So beginning 1st January 2022, if you've held the property for more than um, five years and you make a gain on the disposal of the of the property, uh, then the, the RPGT is 0%. Prior to 2022, it was 5%. What are the penalties if I file my taxes inaccurately? So as we talk about the filing season, you know, um, and uh, this is an, in your uh, tax return. Then for error or mistake, the penalty can be between 15 to 45% of the tax shortfall. Okay, so it's 15 to 45% of the tax shortfall. Shortfall, yes. And, yes. and you know, in, in your experience when you advise clients, what are the typical mistakes that uh, people usually make when filing for taxes this time around? Usually it's the tax reliefs. You know, mm. people claim uh, all and sundry, you know. They look at the, you know, when they fill in the online form, they say everything, they can claim all the tax relief, self, uh, children, you know, even though they're two parents and maybe the father has claimed, but the mother also claims for children relief, you know, child relief. So it's the double uh, double counting. Double claim, right? It mm. can be a double claim. Uh, same thing, you know, with all this. Uh, so that's where the Inland Revenue actually picks you up for an audit. If you claim a lot of reliefs, uh, that's when they target you to pick you up for an audit, right? And then they will want to see whether you have invoices, right? Receipts, uh, documentation to support. When someone, sh- you know, basically has joint holding rights of the property, how, how, how does it change then the filing of taxes? Very good question. Um, when you have two owners, right? So the, the two landlords, so say husband and wife, they're yep. both uh, landlords then the rental income needs to be split. So it's like a 50-50 thing. Oh, right? you can't even... So, okay, you have to split it. You yeah. can't even say, oh, I, I will claim for all and the other one doesn't claim. That doesn't work as well. You can, but you will need legal letter <laughs> for one uh, either either spouse to give up their right to rental income. See, how, how does yeah, one right? go, how, go ahead and secure the legal letter? Do you write it and then just get it sworn by the Commissioner's oath? Uh, you, you need to set it out that, uh, you know, one party is giving up their rights to rental to the other party. Uh, and then the other party, of course, will undertake to report all rental income and, of course, claim all rental expenses. Just have that uh, available, you know, you can stamp it to add that additional layer of legality, but then just have that in your records. Right. From the income tax uh, office point of view, so long as there's such a document and then you prove that the full rental income has been disclosed in uh, one of the spouse's tax return, then there shouldn't be any problems. You know, I, I, I presume some, some of us here have multiple properties. Do you need to spell it out in that level of detail in the fi- financial filings or do you or can you consolidate it? And what are the implications if you don't consolidate and you just if you consolidate instead of spelling it out separately? Um, I think that, uh, okay, so for property in general, right, for individuals, the rental will be viewed as a passive income source, Mm. right? What that means is that, uh, um, you know, rental, income taxable, rental expenses, so we talk about what's deductible, fittings, uh, also um, quit rent assessment, you know, if you pay uh, management fees to your management corporation, that's also deductible, right? Um, and of course, you've got things like land taxes, you know, and if you have a tenancy uh, vacated and you need your agent to find you a new tenant, so again, commissions that are paid uh, would be deductible. 
So what is taxable at the end of the day is the net rental based mm. on the property, right? So you basically, if so you've got many properties, you will need to um, keep records of each property, what is the income and what are the expenses specific to that property. Just to be clear, when you say net rentals, deposits... Net of not, expenses. Net of expenses, but deposits are not counted, right? Are considered as part of the expenses, isn't it? Deposits, okay. Another good question. So, uh, you're right at the term, when you start a tenancy, there's always deposits, right? Mm. When you enter into a tenancy as a landlord, the tenancy agreement must clearly set out that this is a security deposit, alright? If you call it an advanced rental, then advanced rental are already subject to tax upon receipt. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so advanced rental, taxable immediately upon receipt. Uh, but if it is clearly spelled out that it's a security deposit and the purpose of a security deposit is to make sure you, you know, that the tenant safeguards your property, there's no property damages and things like that, then that's not taxable. Today, I'm in conversation with Leo Muili, Senior Executive Director of Tricor Taxant on property taxes and how one needs to reflect them in your 2021 tax filings. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Leo Muili, Senior Executive Director of Tricor Taxant, on the recent pitfalls and incentives introduced by the government when it comes to property taxes for your 2021 individual tax filings. What, what do you think are common things that when, when they check and see the filings with IR Inland Revenue, right, what are the anomalies they see as red alerts usually? <laughs> Over overclaiming is one for sure. What are the other signs when they see that okay something is wrong here with respect to the filing? Commonly, I think for um, property related, right, is the non-declaration of rental income, right. So a lot of people think that uh, rental income, so long if they are not uh, an employee in the workforce, then whatever rental income they derive is not taxable. Okay, yeah. so they they may not even file a tax return to show to disclose rental income. So that's sometimes a challenge, isn't it? Because like, let's say if I rent a room to a student and they don't have a contract per se, how do you kind of formalize that then? That's the big challenge, isn't it? Because there are many people who, you know, don't have the classic SMP or contract or rental agreements in place then. Yeah, I, I that would be a loophole, right? Um, you know, whether, uh, how the, the answers, for example, if the tenant is a company, then a company, when in the course of completing their own tax returns, uh, you know, would have need to ha to have data on the landlord, right? And that could be disclosed to the inland revenue in the course of a tax audit. And that's how the revenue authorities will know. Okay, so it's right? a reconciliation, especially reconciliation. if it's a corporate uh, outfit versus a residential. But there are also many residential uh, to residential kind of agreements which are avoided, right? Because yes, that's yes. one of the biggest challenges we have, isn't it, in terms of tax collection for these kind of outfits, yeah, I think in general, if you look at our income tax rates, right? So, so long as you are earning more than 3000 a month, right? Then you'll be subject to tax. So if you are just merely renting out a spare room in your home, it's unlikely you will earn 3000 a month, mm. right? So in that case, you're still outside the tax net. Sure. So it's the probability is low, essentially, right? For you to be eligible or not covered for that. Yes. Uh, you know, when we talk about this, then I guess this applies to anyone with a Malaysian property that has to file taxes. So will a non-Malaysian or even an MM2H participant need to file taxes as well? Yeah. So um, anybody who has a, a 
investment property in Malaysia for which they derive rental income, they need to declare that. Right, and it doesn't matter whether you are a non-resident or you're a non-citizen, uh, or you come under the MM2H program. Yeah, and I so get, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's in the same boat, and I, you know, I wanted just to think out loud. Do you think that people can misconstrue the understanding of investments here for property, or it's usually property the case where when someone buys a second home, then does one assume that that becomes an investment then? Okay, so that's why we said it has to be an investment property for which you derive rental income. Yeah. So if it is an investment property for your own uh, property, but you don't derive rental income, then there's really nothing to declare. So I think here when we talk about, you know, we are looking at an income tax return. So which means that you must earn income first, right? So you and and you would earn income if you had let out your property, whether it's a house or a condominium or a building, uh, and you have derived rental income, right? So if you derive rental income, then you will need to file a tax return, regardless whether you are a Malaysian or a foreigner. Are there situations where you could ask the Indian Revenue for exemptions for certain situations or dispensation to avoid paying taxes for certain property income in, in the view that maybe your finances are tight and such. Are there such exemptions possible, actually? No, there, there are no, um, you know, our exemption rules are, are broad in nature, right? So to apply for an exemption, there must be, you know, really strong reasons. And then you need to go up to the Minister of Finance. Uh, and it's unlikely to be granted. And let's talk about other taxes, right, which are not sure. part of the filing season. Could you perhaps help our listeners Give us the full picture of other property taxes which are not considered as part of this filing season. So property taxes uh, in general that will cover um, RPGT, real property gains tax. Um, so I, I um, you know, as uh, listeners, most listeners would know, uh, real property gains tax is a transaction tax. So as and when you were to sell a real property, uh, be it a strata title or landed, uh, and you make a gain on the disposal, you will need to pay RPGT, yeah? So that's one. So when you buy property, uh, there is stamp duty to be, uh, that you will take, need to, to take note of. Uh, there is also an RPGT return as a buyer uh, that one must lodge with the income tax office. Yeah, so both income tax, you do lodge a return. And then of course, you have to uh, bear the stamp duty, bear the stamp duty uh, on the acquisition property. Mm, and that, that, that takes place in the course of the transaction, yeah? It's not part of yes. this structured annual filing process that we do with. Yeah, very much driven by transaction. As and when that transaction happens, uh, then there are certain uh, filing deadlines, right? So for RPGT, for example, uh, you have a 60 days filing deadline from the time of the date of the SPA, right? From the date of the sale and purchase agreement, you have 60 days to launch uh, that uh, RPGT return. And other taxes like quit rent and assessment, right, are also taxes imposed by state and uh, local authorities. Those are also unique to the property, isn't it? And we would also never associate or link that with our tax filing, correct? That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. So quit rent and assessment is very much uh, determined by the state, right? So the state government sets those rates uh, for quit rent and assessment. And, you know, they may you know, there, there will be certain legislative authority 
uh, they may issue a gazette order when they want to increase uh, quit rent and assessment. Uh, and that is determined by the respective uh, um, authority or municipal council, right? They will they will set those rates, mm. right? So as a property owner, um, you really don't have very much say in this process because um, I think in um, there's really no requirement that I know of where the state has to consult the property owners before a rate hike is is uh, processed, right? It's a quit rent bill, a uh, quit rent and assessment bill for which you need to make good. Of course, um, if you recall, I think there were, I, I, you probably say that this is rather unfair. If you recall some years back, I think it was uh, DBKL had increased quit rent uh, by, I think some some properties were like two or 300%. And then there was a big public outcry. So in those instances, when there is, uh, when it affects many people and the voices of the many can do things, right? So because in those cases, uh, they did relook at the uh, increase yeah. uh, in, in quit rent and assessment, right? Mm. I guess that's, that's yeah. what we call political pressure to make Political sure pressure, right? Yes. Public pressure, Public right? pressure. Yeah. And yeah. I guess one tax that hasn't uh, hit our shores yet is inheritance tax. And that's something quite common with respect to properties, right? Uh, can you perhaps share, I mean, it doesn't happen here in Malaysia, but in other countries, how does, in, how does inheritance tax get uh, executed? Uh, when a property is transferred from one person to the other? Okay, so in general, the inheritance tax and um, the, the way inheritance tax generally works is that when the beneficiary receives that uh, asset, uh, that property, which is bequeathed to them through the death of a, of a, uh, of a beloved, then what happens is that the value of the property, that market mm. value of property is subject to inheritance tax. So it can be very, very significant, you it know, depending. Be. And yeah. it's market value, yeah, not book value, isn't it? Yes. So so it is market value and the market value is uh, based on the, the time that property is transferred, right? Mm. So the property is deemed to be transferred based on the legal documents and the market valuation will be on that date. Yeah, so what we understand from our conversations with the, with the authorities uh, is that, you know, they think we are not ready to to have an inheritance tax. Mm, mm. Uh, it's not something that they are seriously considering, right? Okay. Yeah. And they think that inheritance tax for Malaysians and, and in terms of a revenue collection perspective is quite a narrow scope. Not, not in the horizon then? Yes, that's right. I see. That's all the time we have for today's Property Show. Thank you for being on the show, Mwili. I've been speaking to Leo Mwili, Senior Executive Director of Tricor Taxant on property-related taxes for your 2021 tax filings. I'm Philip C, signing off for The Morning Run. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.